welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith. This podcast features edited highlights from our Sunday service held on January the 8th, 2023. To find out how to join us and for more general information, please go to www.stjamesleith.org.uk. morning everybody happy new year to you lovely to see the church so full a lot fuller than last Sunday (laughs) we had a grand total of five it was a very nice service but it was lovely Um, so welcome especially if you're a visitor it's lovely to have you join us and welcome to all those who are joining us uh, on zoom Uh, it is uh, epiphany Sunday which is um, the wonderful story of the wise men following the star and look forward to Sally who's going to give the reflection uh, later on today. So if we start our service with a moment's quiet just to prepare ourselves to worship uh, God uh, and leave behind all the the worries, concerns that we might have and have this sacred special time. God of light and love, In this very moment, the star still beckons. Gather us and let the star call us in new ways of healing and hope, restoration and renewal. As we discover again Christ's call to us to discipleship. Amen. Please stand for our opening song.
the children and young people in our community. We thank you that they are a gift to us. And may we as a community take responsibility in supporting families with young children. And we pray for Joe and we pray that they would have a really special time next door learning about you and that in their hearts they may have your star leading them now and throughout their lives. Amen. Ephesians 3, 1 to 12. So I, Paul, am a prisoner because I serve Jesus Christ for you, who are not Jews. Surely you know that God gave me this work through his grace to help you. God let me know his secret plan by showing it to me. I have already written a little about this. And if you read what I wrote, you can see that I understand the secret truth about Christ. People who lived in other times were not told that secret truth. But now, through the Spirit, God has made it known to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is the secret truth, that by hearing the good news, those who are not Jews will share with the Jews in the blessings God has for his people. They are part of the same body, and they share in the promise God made through Christ Jesus. By God's special gift of grace, I became a servant to tell that good news. He gave me that grace by using his power. I am the least important of all God's people, but he gave me this gift to tell the non-Jewish people the good news about the riches Christ has. These riches are too great to understand fully. And God gave me the work of telling all people about the plan for his secret truth. That secret truth has been hidden in him since the beginning of time. He is the one who created everything. His purpose was that all the rulers and powers in the heavenly places will now know the many different ways he shows his wisdom. They will know this because of the church. This agrees with the plan God had since the beginning of time. He did what he planned, and he did it through Christ Jesus, our Lord. In Christ, we come before God with freedom and without fear. We can do this because of our faith in Christ. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. 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 
In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is the shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the gospel. Good news for all. Good morning. Um, so when I was thinking about the story of the three wise men, I thought I'd begin by referring to my trusty Christmas story Venn diagram. Um, so, and uh, I've been warned that it's a little bit difficult to see. Um, so uh, I will talk you through the bits you can't see. So what we have here is, I wish I had a pointy thing, but we have um, the three, well, we have the Gospel of John up here, and we see in the Christmas story, it says complex stuff about light and things. So it's not really any of our traditional nativity things. And then we have uh, Matthew and Luke and the standard nativity play. And I'm afraid the bombshell for me in this is that donkeys only appear in nativity plays, they're not mentioned anywhere in the Gospels, apparently. Um, Luke, we have things like um, Elizabeth and Mary. We have pondering. We have circumcision. We have a lot of the political poetry. Um, in the middle bit, as what happens in all of the stories, we have the central, you know, some central things. The angels, Bethlehem. Jesus' birth and the, the line, call him Jesus, that, that's in everything. But what we can see at the top here is that the wise men are in the crossover bit only between the nativity play and Matthew's gospel. Um, so their place in Matthew's gospel puts them alongside the flight to Egypt and the massacre of the innocents. And these are really, really dark parts of the story. And indeed, this was a story that was always going to be sad from the beginning. And we see that in the way that one of the wise men bring myrrh. This pain and sadness was always there, and it was always part of all of our stories. I was particularly struck by this this week, after I'd already decided to speak about it, when I was doing chaplaincy in a department store in town. A gentleman asked me, about a difficulty his little daughter was having over Christmas. Over Christmas, she'd been full of questions about the crucifixion, 
She was upset by it, and she was wondering and asking if Jesus' mummy and daddy were there to see him be crucified. And of course, she's quite right. She's quite right to be upset about this. And suddenly, amongst reduced to clear signs and uh, January sales, this became real to me in a different way. I could try and supply a bit of a sort of logical answer that we think his daddy had died a while ago, um, but his mummy was there. And we think she always knew something bad was going to happen. We think that it was part of what she said yes to and what she signed up for and consented to. And again, we know about this, this inherent sadness and pain from this gift of myrrh. But the impossibility of this, that this, this tragedy is such a fundamental part of even our joyful Christmas story was, was really brought home to me in that setting. And this is, of course, what the writers of the Gospel were each in their own way grappling with. Good news as well as bad news. Light and hope in a really dark situation and an increasingly complex situation. At the time of the, when we think the Gospels were written, those who'd witnessed the resurrection were already dying off and the second coming, it hadn't happened nearly as soon as everybody had thought it was going to. Good news, Jesus rose from the dead. He's coming again, but where is he? Well, we could say there's good things happening. You know, people are being healed. People are turning their lives around. They're repenting. We're all driven on by this sort of, this force and this grace, but, you know, the, we can't see Jesus anymore. And as I say, this second coming hasn't come as soon as we thought. But the Gospels also have to explain to us this problem. Why did he have to die? and show us how, how could he be both incredibly powerful and yet submit completely to something so horrible. The author of Matthew does this by showing us Jesus in detail as a figure in history. One that's so powerful that even as a baby, he made other powerful men take notice. He made them travel for miles following a star or he made the powers that be so scared that they would try and get information from three followers, foreigners following a star and be prepared to slaughter innocent children. Being born a king in a stable is such an upset to the status quo that it was a threat, and it still is a threat. This had me wondering about how we communicate this story now. Are we really getting across a message that is relevant to people? Do we miss the dangerous Jesus? For example, over the past while, it occurred to me that the majority of people, the only contact with the church, or, you know, um, yeah, contact with the church they would have had, was watching the Queen's funeral, um, which, you know, is beautiful and lovely, but were they really getting a story of a man that authorities would want to kill? Is there another side of this story more moving today for the poor, the oppressed, those fleeing atrocities? How are we telling our stories? I also wondered how our stories would be told collectively about the time we are living in. Over Christmas, I read The Handmaid's Tale, and I'm a bit obsessed with it. 
Um, I don't want to spoil it in case anyone hasn't read it uh, yet, but there was a couple of ideas, one from the introduction and one from the epilogue, and I think they're not part of the main story, so that's okay to mention. Um, in the epilogue, there's an imaginary future academic conference where they are looking back on this awful period in history. And this had me wonder, what would historians' view of our time look like? I used to study history and I found myself imagining the sort of exam, exam questions you might get for now. Things like, explain Liz Truss. <laughs> or comment on the rise of popular misogyny in the early 2020s. And, but my suspicion is that links will be drawn that we don't necessarily see now, that when we look back, you know, hopefully when people look back at this, this period, what will be the story that will be seen is that amongst really horrible things the climate crisis the pandemic the war that this was a time of new new rights and progress for all kinds of people um lgbt rights um a, a real backlash against racism uh, we hope workers rights um, a, a different attitude to refugees, you know, that these stories, these hopeful stories, will be part of how our time is seen. Indeed, Margaret Atwood suggests that even telling a story is an act of hope, because it assumes a future and a survivor to read it. And we really see this in Paul's letter to the Ephesians that we heard today. Everything's going horribly wrong for him, but some mysterious force, grace, is pushing him on to keep speaking and writing for someone in the future who will see the good bits of his life, the amazing hope and strength he gets from his relationship with God. And so I also wondered about our own stories personally. What would a Venn diagram of your life look like? Would different people telling your story focus on different things, seeing different sides of you? Do you need different gifts for the parts that make you up? Not king, priest, or one who is to suffer, but perhaps teacher, father, daughter, carer, artist, friend, worshipper, forgiver. What have you suffered? what you have survived, what you have done, and what has been done to you. Are there overlaps? And is there a middle bit? A central part of your story that's unmissable from any angle. And is God in that bit? And maybe he's not, but might you hope to look for him there or journey towards him? And so, we have a craft activity. So if you, hopefully you got a star and a pen and a little bit of blue tack. Um, and if the Venn diagram idea speaks to you and you like me love Venn diagrams, you could think about putting some different aspects of yourself or your story in the pointy bits and you could think about is there something in the middle? Is there somewhere where this overlaps? You know, that immiscible bit. Um, but if that's, if you're not a Venn diagram person and you don't like the idea, you might just like to put a hope or 
you know, a hope at this time about your own life or, or broader hope. So we will spend some time now doing our stars and eventually we're going to add them to, uh, in a moment we'll add them to the boards, hopefully with your blue tack. If you've lost your blue tack, I suspect you can probably sort of wedge them in. So um, thank you very much. Just going to have a short time of prayer. Please feel free during it to get up and put your star on the board. Just going to briefly pray about what Sally and the exercise we've done with the stars, then briefly pray for the church and then our world. So let us pray. Loving God, thank you for the opportunity to just reflect about ourselves. We thank you that each one of us here is <clears throat> unique and special and has unique gifts to offer our world. And we pray that as there are different parts of our story that people see in our different roles in our lives that are at the core is our truth self and life is a, a lifelong journey of finding out our true self and our sense of self we ask loving God that you would help us gently enable us to look at ourselves to be honest about ourselves but increasingly be comfortable living out of our true selves And we pray that you would help each one of us follow the star that you have set before us so that we may fulfill all our potential and that you would be with us in the sadness of our lives, in the joy of our lives but help us be grateful for life itself and help us increasingly believe in our uniqueness and see ourselves in your eyes, in our loveliness. So that we may then be of service to others. 
Lord, in your mercy. And loving God, we pray for our world. So much to pray for, so much that hits deep into our hearts that we see in the news. We do pray for our own country and we pray for our NHS, particularly today. Something that should be treasured. And we pray for our leaders that they may see how important it is that all have access to good health care. We pray that it may be reinvigorated. And we pray for all those that work within it. That they may understand how appreciated they are. And we pray for many workers in different sectors. that they may be given what they're worth. We also pray for the many conflict zones in our world. We pray especially for Iran, as we hear of people being executed for demonstrating but also abuses across our globe. And we pray increasingly for a world with peace, but not peace at any cost, but peace with justice. Lord, in your mercy. And loving God, we pray for your church that it would regain its prophetic voice, that it would with others speak truth to power and would fulfill its mission of bringing your values on earth, your values of love and service and justice and peace and hope. We pray for us here at St. James that as we spend time on a Sunday worshipping you, that we may be inspired and filled by your mission of bringing good news to the poor, of bringing sight to the blind and healing to the lame, that we may take our faith outwards and work for the good of our community. Lord, in your mercy. Merciful Father, accept these, our prayers, for the sake of your Son, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Worship and praise belong to you, God, our Maker. Out of nothing you called all worlds into being. 
and still you draw the universe to its fulfillment. Day and night celebrate your glory till time shall be no more. And in Christ, your only begotten Son, you have revealed yourself to the world by the leading of a star. You made him known to the nations as the Son of David and the King of Israel, that in following him we might be led from darkness into his marvellous light. And filled with the Spirit who descended upon your Son at his baptism in the Jordan, we who are baptised in his name strive for his heavenly kingdom, in whose radiance we are transfigured and the earth transformed. And as children of your redeeming purpose who celebrate the epiphany of your Son, we offer you our praise with the angels and archangels and the whole company of heaven, singing the hymn of your unending glory. thanksgiving be to you most loving father in jesus the messiah you have come to us our hope is built on him in whom you are well pleased having been shown to the world as your beloved son he proclaimed the good news of your kingdom the blind received their sight the lame walked the lepers were cleansed and the captives set free at his word water became wine the hungry were filled with bread, and the dead were raised. Before he was given up to suffering and death, desiring to complete the work for which he came into the world, at supper with his disciples, he took bread and offered you thanks. He broke the bread and gave it to them, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, it is broken for you. And after supper, he took the cup, he offered you thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant. It is poured out for you, and for all that sins may be forgiven. Do this in remembrance of me.
Loving God, we thank you for feeding us. Whatever situation we're in, whatever state of mind, you walk with us. Amen.